As we remain standing, let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, may we hunger and thirst for the sustenance you have for us in our gathered community, in the Eucharist, and in your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It is great to be back. Nice to see Father Bates again and connect. And uh, uh, let me add my thanks to uh, Father Elwood for all this faithful uh, taking care of things here in the parish. And uh, all those who uh, worked so hard this summer. I know Mr. Keith has been very busy and Holly and uh, getting ready for vacation Bible school. I've had a great summer. I got to go to uh, the Holy Land to try to get ready to see if we could lead trips there of our alumni from the school. That was my purpose of going this time, was to see if we can have a, have a regular trip there for, to offer to our alumni. I took a, uh, helped t- lead a trip of fifth grade kids from our school up to Washington. Uh, I did five school weddings of alumni. That was kind of fun, doing weddings now. Kids who have come through our school and come back to me, we do a wedding. I did five weddings. I was on 12 planes and slept in 11 beds. So <laughs> I am glad to be back. But it is very enriching, and uh, I am very blessed of God. So I'll try not to cram it all into today's sermon and uh, keep it as short as I can. Uh, one of, the other danger of the summer is uh, missing, as Father Bates alluded to, we miss these wonderful feast days in our church calendar. This past 10 days, we have celebrated St. Mary Magdalene, Thomas Kempis, St. James the Apostle, the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mary and Martha of Bethany, William Wilberforce, Ignatius of Loyola, Joseph of Arimathea. And of course, this Thursday, we'll be celebrating the Transfiguration. It's hard to keep the calendar straight, isn't it? We live in two worlds. Uh, This morning, we began by saying, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. So we live in two kingdoms. We, as followers of God, try to be about the kingdom that where Jesus is king, but we also are responsible citizens in this worldly kingdom. And how do we keep those together? Did anybody see the blue moon on Friday? Blue moon? That's awesome. The blue moon is uh, one of those strange things that uh, reminds us that there's a lunar calendar and a solar calendar and God's calendar, and sometimes they align and sometimes they don't. But it's kind of a sign that there are two things going on. To understand the world, we have to be alert, have to be thinking about things and understanding them. And it's easy to be confused. One of my favorite stories is about an, <laughs> an elderly woman in Florida who had finished her shopping, came out to the parking lot and saw four men in her car driving away. She drops her groceries, pulls out her handgun, runs at the car screaming, I have a gun, I know how to use it, get out of my car. Of course, the four young men quickly fled the car, hightailing it away. She was so shaken that when she put her groceries in the car and took out her keys, she could hardly get them in her ignition. And when she did get them in, it didn't seem to work. And then she noticed a football and a case of beer in the front seat. (laughs) And then she went four spaces down and found her car. So when she did get in her car, she drove immediately to the police station to report what had happened. And the, uh, the clerk behind the desk could hardly take her account because he was chuckling so hard. And then he pointed down the end of the hall to see four shaken, pale young men who had just come in to report a carjacking by a mad older woman. 
There was no charges filed. And the moral of the story is, if you're going to have a senior moment, make it memorable. <laughs> so it's easy to be confused. It's easy to, hard, to get, it's hard to get these things straight sometimes. And I think in our gospel passage today, we'll see how they were kind of coming to a realization of who Jesus was, but it was hard. If Jesus was here today, what would you want to ask him? If you had one question for him, what would it be? Let's turn to today's gospel. Would you turn in your bulletin to the reading of John's gospel? Because we have three questions. The people surrounding Jesus came to him with three questions. And Jesus, in typical and annoying fashion, didn't seem to answer them. He seemed to sort of skirt the issue or get deeper to what they were asking. Do you see the three questions? The first one is, when did you get here? So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they went, they got themselves in the boat, went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Made me think about the many times that I faced a daunting or perplexing or anxious situation. And I stew about it for maybe hours or days. Think about it. What can I do about it? How can I solve this? And then I think, oh, maybe I could pray about it. Oh, maybe this is something God would be interested in. Maybe he could help me. When did you get here, Jesus? And then you realize that Jesus was there all the time. It just took you a long time to realize it. When did you get here? Sometimes we think of God sending us out into difficult situations. I'm so impressed with what our parish is doing uh, with community service. We kind of think of God sending us out there and doing that. And it's kind of daunting. It's kind of scary. We'll be taking our confirmation class down to feed the homeless at Trinity and at the Beacon. And then you realize Jesus has been there all the time. He's there with the homeless. He's there with the people being trafficked downtown. He's there with your work situation, with your bank account situation. Jesus is there. And he calls us to participate. Jesus answered them. If you continue on, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs. That's a big word in the Gospel of John. You didn't recognize the signs. You just wear, you're looking for me because you had your stomach filled. Work for something more. You do have to work to have your stomach filled to live, but there's more there. Work for that which goes to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for it is on him that God the Father has set a seal. So Jesus doesn't answer their question, when did you get here? He says, why are you looking for me? And make sure you don't miss the best part, a relationship with me that goes on for eternity, me and the Father. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it's not just about our stomach. It is about our stomach. You need bread to live. It's about so much more, day by day, in relationship to him. And in this answer, he introduces the concept of food and the concept of work, which form the basis for the next two questions. Do you see the next question? So then they say, he says, work for that which is satisfying. And they say, well, what do we have to do to do the work of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe on him in whom he has sent. 
Well, many times in our church, we, we sort of juxtapose believing or faith and doing works. Last Wednesday was the feast day of Mary and Martha. Good example. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, not doing anything except listening. Martha was out in the kitchen doing everything except listening. James and, and uh, Paul become kind of poster childs for these two different perspectives, if we could say that. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you have faith but don't have works? Can faith save you? And then the apostle Paul comes along on the other side and says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. I think what Jesus is saying is live and work as if what you believe is really true. Live and work as if what you believe is really true. It's hard to believe the Christian doctrine. It's hard to believe that God was behind creating this world. That he created us. That he died for our sins. That he rose again. That he performed the miracles. I was uh, reading a lot about Thomas Jefferson, which I'll come to in a minute. But uh, I don't know if anyone has ever seen the Jefferson Bible. Just the New Testament with all the miracles cut out of it that Thomas Jefferson couldn't believe. So it's hard to believe. But if we truly believe what we say we believe, we should be so secure at the center that we can live life on the edge. We can reach out into situations for those who are on the edge or situations or taking positions that are unpopular. Do you see the epistle reading? Paul says in the first line, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I, went to, I got to go to the Sea of Galilee this summer, and they have started uh, right north of Tiberias, near a little village called Magdala. Ever heard of anybody from Magdala? Mary Magdalene. And they started a little retreat center, and so I bought a t-shirt. And I don't know if you have any Latin scholars. Dick, how's your Latin? Anybody Latin? Duke, and the t-shirt says, Duke in Altum. It's become my theme phrase for the year, Duke in Altum. It's a lovely retreat center right on the Sea of Galilee. Duke in Altum is what Jesus said to Peter, saying, push out into the deep. Push out into the deep. Live as if it's true. I know that I'm so cautious, so tentative sometimes. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to inconvenience myself sometimes. But if the gospel is true and God is calling me to be a part of it, and sometimes it might cost something. And the third question, see the third question? Okay, Jesus, what sign are you going to give us? What sign have you got that could measure up to the signs that we have had so far in our faith? Last week, I was privileged to worship in the church where George Washington worshipped, and Thomas Jefferson in Williamsburg. And it was really an amazing thing to be sitting there where worship had happened for 300 years. Our ancestors had committed the faith. And then I went to, we spent part of our holiday on Virginia Beach, and Bill and Gail Vale were very helpful in giving us ideas where to eat, etc. And it dawned on us, as sort of as we did some reading, that's where the people first landed when the company of Virginia explorers came over. They didn't land at Jamestown, they landed at Virginia Beach. 
and the charter of 1606, which sent them out from King James I, stated there's only one stated purpose in that document. And the stated purpose of the document is propagating the Christian religion. King James intended to spread Christianity to those living in what was to become the English colonies. Quote, in propagating of Christian religion to such people as yet live in darkness and miserable ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God. And may in time bring the infidels and savages living in those parts to human civility and to a settled and quiet government. I believe that civility and good government and compassion and a thirst for justice come from religion. Religion is not an escape from the world. Religion should propel us to an engagement of the world, to be a blessing, to be where Jesus already is. It struck me too that how hard this is to understand as I read about the revolutionaries, that they sent a document to the king and saying, you know, what you're doing with all your laws and taxations uh, is we don't want to be enslaved to Britain. What you're doing is enslaving us to Britain. All the while surrounded by hundreds of slaves that they owned. This juxtaposition is hard to understand sometimes. That beautiful piece that Sylvia played so beautifully. Did you recognize what movie that came from? From the mission, this very evocative thing where a soldier becomes a penitent and carries the accoutrements of his slave trade up the mountain in some sense of redemption. And so the people of Israel, the Jewish leaders, sorry, going on. The Jewish leaders say, what sign can you give us? Can you give us a sign like we have? And the sign, do you see what the sign that they, they point to? The sign that they point to is... God gave us manna in the desert. God provided bread. This seemed like the quintessential sign of God's power and ability to provide for them was bread. And do you know that when they constructed the Ark of the Covenant, do you know the three things that were in that, covenant, that Ark? We forget about it. We all probably know that the two tablets were in there, the Ten Commandments. What we forget about is that there was a piece of manna And the other thing was a twig that sprouted from a dry twig. Those three things. And what I wanted to point out is when we come, when we read about Jesus um, multiplying the bread, when we come to the communion, the bread, and when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, it's not some random idea he had, but a sign that's filled with meaning from the Old Testament, where God provided bread. And the Jewish people say, what can you do? Because God gave us bread. And Jesus said, no, God is giving you bread. He's giving you true bread, living bread. And if we want to live as if it's true, to recognize Jesus and participate with him, then this is our food, the grace of God. The community, it refers to us as the body, the body of Christ, the bread of God. And so if we want to live that life, May God give us grace. May we recognize Jesus. May we long for what he has to offer. May we take this bread of sustenance so that we might live our Christian lives as if it's true. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.